Well, good morning, everyone. I just want to reiterate uh, a couple events here, just so we're clear. Uh, the fishing event, uh, father and sons, it's also for men. Um, so um, we're going to meet at the lake at 10 o'clock. And uh, but if you need rides, uh, talk to me uh, or Jake. Um, and we do need boats, so let us know if you do have a boat. Okay, so uh, between Jake and I, we have two boats, but that may not be enough. So let us know. I do have extra canoe, but I can't take it. Don't have room for that. But if someone can, uh, you can borrow my canoe. So, yeah. But like um, Henry is saying, you could fish off the shore as well. Okay, so, all right. So, and then the guest who's coming to dinner, it's not just the one weekend. We're going to do it over multiple weekends. Okay, so if you can't come a certain weekend... We'll have multiple weekends, and so uh, we, we just really want to try to encourage uh, connection and fellowship in our church. Uh, we have many new people since the spring here, and so we just want to connect people together, and uh, that'd be awesome if you could sign up. So if you can host, that'd be awesome. If you want to be a guest, uh, we strongly encourage that as well. So, so yeah, maybe that'd be great. Well, let's just pray. Lord, we just... Um, I want to thank you for your presence with us, that in spite of all the sorrows and the challenges that we face, that you're with us. And so at this time, Lord, as we turn to your word, open our eyes, um, may your Holy Spirit sink deep into the very darkest corners of our hearts and speak to us and encourage us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So biblically speaking, we as Christians are on a journey. In fact, I'd like to use the word pilgrims. We're pilgrims on a journey. It's kind of an old word, but I've always liked the word. And you might ask, well, what is a pilgrim? Well, a pilgrim is simply a traveler. They're a sojourner. And so we have purposely left the old country for a new country. Or we've left the self-life for the Christ life. Pilgrims don't travel alone. We travel in community, which is a whole theme that I could talk about, but we're not going to go that direction this morning. But that's also important Now, we don't literally live out of a suitcase. You might do that once in a while. And thank God that you don't always live out of a suitcase. And you may not literally travel, right? But sometimes we do. But you understand, the pilgrimage, the journey, is a wonderful metaphor for the Christian life. But here's the reality. Our journey, this pilgrimage is going to be filled with trials and temptations and even dangers. In fact, we live in a world that doesn't even recognize that the journey we're on. In fact, we have our own personal challenges, right? Because we have our own weaknesses and our own vulnerabilities. In fact, there is a strong temptation to throw another image in there to be or to live as a tourist and not as a pilgrim. So what's a tourist? Well, a tourist simply lives for the moment. 
The tourist lives for himself or herself. But a pilgrim understands that the Christian life is not this exciting sprint, but it's a faithful marathon. But the reality is there are tough times. If we expect our life to be more like a vacation, then we might be in for a surprise. Now, some time ago, um, when we only had just the one daughter, and I think she was just over one years old, uh, we decided to take a family vacation to Kelowna. Um, My father's roots are out there, so you go see some of the relatives, etc. But like any vacation, you have expectations, right? You expect it to be warm. You expect there to be no problems. You expect there to be some rest and relaxation and lots of fun in the water, right? That's why you go to the Okanagan. So we hope for good weather and no issues. Now, we got warm weather all right. It was 40-plus degrees every single day. And we have no air conditioning in our car. So there goes one busted goal. We were sweating buckets. The car windows were down the whole time, and so we were constantly windblown. And, of course, you know how tiring that is. Our one-year-old daughter would not stop crying Then suddenly, the car rolls to a stop. The timing belt has snapped. Now we're all crying. Now eventually, of course, you know these things get fixed, but you know your vacation is delayed by whatever it was, two days. But of course, at the end of the vacation, we ended up with a big, fat credit card bill. And you come home and you go, fuck, well, that was a fun vacation, right? Yes, even on vacation, there could be problems. Troubles are part of the pilgrimage journey. But sometimes when we face difficult times and challenging times, whether it be health issues and financial issues or marital issues or family issues, we just might privately struggle and ask, where is God in all? God seems silent. And maybe we wonder, does God even care? Well, Psalms 120 to 134 are known as the Psalms of Ascent. And these were songs that the Israelites sang literally as they walked on a pilgrimage back to Jerusalem whether it was for the Passover or some other pilgrimage or other festival, they frequently walked to Jerusalem if they could. But the walk to Jerusalem was always dangerous because Jerusalem is on a hill, or it's on a mountain, on a high elevation. And so to get there, you're always on a climb. So you've probably heard about the journey from Jericho to Jerusalem was always a dangerous one, right? But God's people traditionally always insisted on singing these songs from Psalm 120 to 134. That's why they're called the Psalms of Ascent as they climb the hill to Jerusalem. Metaphorically, it's super important because it represented the fact as they sang these songs that I cannot travel by myself. God must be an integral part of my life. And they traveled in community. 
And so today I want to focus on actually one psalm, 121. And so let's listen to this passage together. Psalm 21, it's probably fairly familiar, but today rather than going to lots of passages, I thought I'd stick around to one psalm. Psalm 121. I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. Now, we don't know what tune they sang, but can you imagine these pilgrims singing these songs, a song just like that, as they put one foot in front of the other. I mean, they were literally walking at that time, but of course, it's a metaphor for the Christian life. Psalm 121 is essentially about how God cares for his people. And sometimes we forget this truth in the moment of our distress, in the middle of discouragement, because we might ask, Lord, I'm hurting Why don't you care? I'm out of money. I can't seem to get ahead. I'm always sick. I'm always being criticized. And so in desperation and looking for help, sometimes we go in the wrong direction. And so this is what verse Psalm really actually talks about. It goes like this. I lift my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? This is a question. The psalmist is seeking for help on his journey. He is faced with a dilemma that is overwhelming him. And in the passage, he is looking to the hills. And then the question is asked, where does my help come from? Now, there has been uh, some uncertainty over the years among scholars regarding what the hills are. So some of you might remember the old King James version of the Bible, but In that version, the hills are kind of connected to the Lord. So it says in the King James, I will lift my my eyes, mine eyes, unto the hills from whence, whence cometh my help. And so the way it's expressed, it kind of connects the hills with the Lord, right? Now, unfortunately, the King James does not indicate that it's actually being a question asked by the psalmist. He is a person in doubt, asking whether hills are dependable or not. And probably a better interpretation of the hills, and so the modern translations have this, is, are, are actually places of pagan worship. As the Hebrews believers journeyed through foreign lands, they would have encountered shrines set up on, on hilltops in high places, and they would have come across spells and enchantments against the perils of the road and remedies that would seem to address their particular problems. So, 
Are you being scorched by the sun? Well, you go to the sun priest and pray for protection against the sun. sun. Are you fearful of the moonlight? Well, you go to the moon priestess and buy an amulet to protect you. And so this goes well with the words of Jeremiah, the prophet. He once said this. He says, truly the hills are a delusion. The orgies on the mountain. It's interesting. The hills offered hope, but in the end, but in the end, they were not the answer, just the delusion, but a very real temptation. So the question is in 2022, what are your hills? What are the temptations? Well, it could be many things. Whatever it may be, the hills look like a remedy. They look great. They're attractive. They're magnificent. But in the end, they're not the remedy for the discouraged soul. They're probably just stopgap measures. You know, the depressed soul is often vulnerable, right? You're vulnerable, and so you kind of go for anything sometimes. But the psalmist questions whether the temptation of the hills is for them at all. The hills could be this, you know, a false, you know, lottery ticket, false hope, sorry, of a lottery ticket, or even good things made into the main thing which is pretty common for us today. So a lot of things are good, but if we make them the main thing, then they can go bad. So in other words, the hills can be anything that distract you from trusting in God himself, in the God who actually cares for you. God does provide many things in our life, and thank God, this is what God does. He provides so many good things for us. But it is possible to do everything in our moment of distress and not bother to surrender ourselves to the Lord. Right? It's possible to do everything else but actually stop, get down on our knees, so to speak, and search God for help. The entire point of verse 2, then, is to trust God as the main source of our help, which says, my help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. That's the whole thrust of this small psalm. My help comes from you, Lord, not from the hills, but from my maker, from the Lord himself, from Yahweh. But what's significant about this psalm in Psalm 121 is that it actually shows us why God can be trusted. And sometimes we just need these little reminders, right? So this is what the psalmist does. And so now verses 3 to 8, uh, basically he shows us three ways, in ways, three ways God cares for his children. So number one, God's, God's care is constant. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. So again, like I said before, the language of the psalm is that of a pilgrim on his way to Jerusalem. Thus the words about, you know, allowing your foot to slip. But of course, the language is figurative. 
God is making a promise, not that you will never stub your toe or get sick or have no distress. I think that in human life, we understand that. Rather, he is saying there is nothing that can keep you from God's purposes and God's calling upon your life in the midst of that. Nothing is going to mess with that. Now, how do we know this? Because God's care is constant. He is always watching over us, right? Sometimes when we sense when someone's not physically with us, we might panic. And so that's true with God, right? We think, well, I don't sense him. I don't feel him. Maybe he took off. But two times it says, hey, God does not sleep on you. He's constant. You know, when a person sleeps, they are unconscious for a time, and they're unaware with what's going on around them, right? And we need that sleep time. The pagan nations in the Old Testament believed that their gods actually occasionally slept and had to be awakened, right, and even fed, right? So it was dependent on the people to make these gods do what they needed to do. But in contrast to these gods or the gods of the hills... God does not have to be awakened like that. God doesn't need naps. God doesn't need to, you know, get in his eight hours of sleep every night. You do, I do. But God doesn't. His care is constant. There's a story told about a poor Middle Eastern woman who came to her sultan. That's like... uh, a ruler, um, both religious and political, came to the sultan one day to ask for compensation for uh, some property that was stolen from her. Now the powerful sultan asked, oh, well, how did you lose it? Well, she says, I fell asleep. The robber entered my dwelling while I fell asleep. And then he asked, well, why did you fall asleep? He countered. She says, because I believe that you were awake. Right? So, when she falls asleep, or when we fall asleep, we have faith to believe that God will never fall asleep. Right? In her context, she was just being very sarcastic with her sultans as well. I trusted you to protect me, but you didn't. But God is not like that. Our Lord is not like that. God never sleeps. He watches over Israel, and he will never slumber nor sleep. So do you sometimes feel like God doesn't care? I believe we all have those moments. And those are moments of sometimes there's darkness, and it's difficult. Sometimes we feel that God is even bored with us. But God does not sleep. He's always aware. He's always present with you. And so by faith, we must believe that he is always there, that he's always constant. Secondly, God's care is compassionate. Verse 5 to 6. The Lord watches over you, The Lord is your shade at your right hand. 
The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. God is personal. He is not a force. He's not an impersonal God that you turn off or on like a machine. Our God is a constant, personal, loving God who demonstrates his compassion and love to his people in times of discouragement. Now, six times this passage speaks of God watching over you. I mean, this is personal. This is tender. This is intimate, loving language. He will be your shade at your right hand. Or shade that is right beside you. You could express it. Another word that can be used here is, he is like a shadow. He is always shadowing you. Right? When you shadow a person on a job, you know, you're just going to go on everywhere with them. Well, that's like God, right? He is always there with you. I will always be your shadow, following where you wherever you go. You know, some time ago um, on CBC, there was a story and about a mother who did not give up on her daughter. And her daughter was in a world of trouble, in trouble with the law, prostitution, drugs, alcohol, ended up in jail several times. But the mother always stayed connected to her daughter. And in jail, she would um, write letters to her daughter. Letter after letter after letter after letter. letter, um, Expressing her love to her daughter. And no matter, and this is, what, this is what she said to her, you know, one of the lines in the letter. It says, no matter what happens to you or what you do, I will always love you. That was the gist of her letters, right? One after another. I will, I will always love you, dear. I will always love. And that was the message, right? Instead of choosing condemnation, you know, you dirty girl, blah, blah, blah. No, it was love. I will love you. And in the end, to make the long story short, it was actually her mother's love that brought this daughter home finally into recovery, right? Now, this is a human love story. How much more does God care for you, right? If a human being can write those kind of letters and express their love for their daughter, how much more is God's love for you? Because I know sometimes when we go through difficulties, we do a lot of self-condemnation. And we think that God doesn't love us because we did wrong or et cetera, et cetera, right? But just as this mother, or sorry, this daughter, when she received these letters and started soaking up her mother's love for her, we must do the same in a spiritual sense with God's messages for us. And, you know, we have short spiritual memories. You know that? We all do. We have short spiritual memories because even though you grow up with that song, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. I mean, you believe that, right? But in these moments, 
you really need to hear that message again and again in a fresh way. By faith, you really do need to listen to God's love letters for you. And so that means that we must absorb God's word, absorb the truth of his love for us again and again and again. So let me give you one of God's love letters. This is, this is a, good, a good one. Romans 8, 35, and then 37 to 38. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And then over to verse 37. I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all the creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Absorb that truth, right? Like this daughter then when she wrote these when she read her mother's letters. Just as she read them and believed her mother's love for us, we have to do the same again and again and again and again. Right? So read God's love letters for you, to you, in his word. God's care is also complete. Verse 7 to 8 says, The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going from now and forevermore. Comings and goings. Basically, everything about your life. How you begin your day, how you end your day. How you begin your life, how you end your life. It's complete. His care is comprehensive. And did you know that God cares both about not just the big things, but also the little things? He cares about those dramatic moments, but also even the mundane things. He cares about everything in your life now and forevermore. He doesn't get bored. It sounds pretty complete to me. You know, sometimes when we go through trying times, you know, um, our emotions are just all over the place, right? And we do forget God's care and how complete it is. And we might mentally understand that God cares for us, but you know how emotions are, right? We, we, don't, we stop thinking logically. In the heat of emotion, we might be tempted to supplement his loving care with something else, right? The tourist mentality. Give it to me now. But sometimes when it's serious, um, it does wake us up. And we do turn to God, which is a good thing and a great thing. And so when tragedy hits us, you know, we we throw ourselves upon God as we should. But what about those mundane things, those everyday things? Trusting God moment by moment into every day, you know, the whole hum things 
where sometimes we struggle with, you know, the sun being too hot or your neighbor is annoying, you know, those everyday things, right? Maybe we think that, you know what, God couldn't be bothered with my boring life, right? My boring neighbor, my boring hobbies or whatever. But according to this psalm, he cares about everything from the day when the day opens or when the day closes. He cares about everything. Um, a few years ago, um, I was switching from winter to summer tires. And my goodness, no matter how hard I tried, I could not get my winter tires off. I mean, I was banging those tires, and uh, I thought I was going to hurt myself. You know, my back was hurting, and I was sweating, and I was frustrated. And then I heard this little voice get help. <laughs> and I go, oh, yeah. Because I know the voice is right. So I slow down and I listen a little bit more because I knew it was the Lord speaking to me. And, you know, this is just about whacking off tires, guys, right? Does God care about that? Well, apparently he did. So even though I had never used this particular tire shop before, that was the tire shop that God whispered in my mind. So I called, and someone answered, and my car was in the garage in five minutes. No lineups. Got my car there. I watched this man whack my tires off in about five minutes um, because he had all the right tools, and he knew what he was doing, and I didn't. And then he had the summer tires mounted in, you know, in no time flat. It was a sight to behold. I love work. I can watch it all day long. It was great. Then I went to go pay the mechanic. And then he waves me off and says, no charge. I was dumbfounded. And I drove away. And there in that moment, I just said, thank you, Lord. Right? Mundane experience, but in yet a lot of ways, a supernatural experience, showing us, you, me, that God cares about those everyday things, the small stuff in life. God's care is very complete. And so God's care is constant. It is compassionate. It is so complete. The pilgrim's life is not simply a quiet walk in some fantasy garden where problems never confront us. It's not a life where we escape to some far-off place and run away from our issues and temptations. Whether you're a God-seeker or maybe you don't walk with Christ today, uh, we all actually walk the same rugged path. Humans walk the, walk the same rugged path. We breathe the same air. We drink the same water. We shop in the same stores. We face the same issues. We pay the same taxes. We fuel up with the same expensive gas. We are subject to the same stresses that everyone else goes under. And we all one day get buried in the same ground. 
But here's the difference for four Christian pilgrims. When the sun is beating down, draining the strength out of you, pilgrims who trust through prayer have a quiet confidence because they have experienced God's cool shade, so to speak, and his refreshing breeze. And they know when they surrender their life to Jesus, there is always hope. There is always guidance. There is always love. And each day we simply ask, Lord, I need a bit more of your grace to sustain me for this day. And by faith, what you're doing is you're experiencing trust in God's care. So 1 Peter 5, 7, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Isn't that cool? He cares for you. In the big things and the little things. One of my older sisters, all my sisters are older than me, but one of them, was admitted to the hospital this past week with a serious skin disorder. And um, we noticed that when we saw her this summer, um, but now it was getting so serious. And uh, she was under so much trauma that when she actually... um, talked to her doctor, she passed out right then and there, and they had to call an ambulance and take her to the hospital. And of course, it was incredibly worrisome. How how could a skin disorder get so bad that you faint, you know? But, um, But there's one thing I know about my sister, is that she loves Jesus, and that she will seek him. And quietly, even in her incredible distress... Uh, In her own words, she would have prayed something like this. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And indeed, she asked us, please pray for me. The wise thing to do. This is the prayer of the pilgrim. Inviting God to do a work in her life. The psalmist cries out to you, cries out to God, letting us know that God has never stopped caring for you. Therefore, trust him. Trust him even more. He will not stop caring for you with issues with your children or your chronic illness. His care is constant, it's compassionate, it's complete, And that is why we can trust him. So even when it feels bleak, when you feel nothing, we as pilgrims have to learn to walk by faith and not by those feelings. We're trusting in the truth of God's word. No matter what doubts that we must endure, whatever accidents we face, we know that the Lord preserves us from evil and he will sustain your life for those who trust him. Did you know that God is never caught off guard by anything that you face, right? It's always a shock to us, right? I mean, we're stunned when things happen. But he's never caught off guard by our difficulties or our troubles. Why? Because he doesn't sleep. Why? Is because he cares. And he cares always and forever. And so he invites us, the psalmist invites us, as was expressed in verse 2, Lord... You are my help. 
in my time of need. You're my help, and my help comes from you. And so my question to you is simply very, very simple. Is do you believe this? Do you believe this? And not only do you believe this, but will you surrender? Will you trust him? In the big, in the middle, in between, and even the little stuff. Well, let's just become uh, quiet for a moment. And um, just bow our heads. And if you want to express a prayer of surrender, um, I invite you to do that. Because sometimes we, um, we have a belief, but we have a hard time moving out in trust. Do you understand what I mean? Right? We have our belief system, and I'm glad we do. But do you trust him? So let's have some moment of quiet. I allow you to do that quietly. Lord, we thank you for your deep, deep care and your love for us. May we take the time each day to reach out to you and receive those love letters. Receive your embrace. Slow down, be quiet, and to experience that love. May we turn from our temporary alternatives. Forgive us, Lord, for doing that. May we turn back to you again. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.